Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1606, 1606, otherwise known as. Hey, did you see that monolith in the Utah desert? Well, guess what? It disappeared. I guess it disappeared. Remember, hopefully you saw the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. It is a masterpiece, Stanley Kubrick brilliant director. Hey, why do the good die so young, right? He, he was just a brilliant director. And it started off with that scene of the monolith and the primates. And uh, wow, that was, you know, everybody's tried to interpret that ever since. He, he made that movie way back in, what was it, 1968? Well, you know, this monolith showed up in the Utah desert and it has disappeared. Wow. This is a big mystery, folks. Maybe the aliens came to get it. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> anyway, so we've got part two of our interview regarding demographics and rental housing future and so forth coming up in a few minutes. But first, we've talked a lot about the mass migrations. I predict this will go in multiple phases. We're just in phase one, maybe maybe just starting a little bit of phase two tomorrow. It'll be like these concentric circles as people migrate out of the cities. And guess what? I'm looking at an article about San Francisco. Here we come right back where we started from, or maybe not. <laughs> it, it's entitled San Francisco renters regain something they lost. Leverage leverage. Vacancies are up, so they have more choice and some negotiating power. The median price of a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco is $2,800. And that is encouraging news, <laughs> according to some. Okay, now we've had part apartment list, and I think we've had Zumper on the show before, but certainly apartment list has been on, and I think they're booked again. I think we've got another interview with them coming up. So they provided this data, and they say the pandemic has caused many residents of the city to depart. Bye bye, San Francisco. Same is true in LA, New York. Philadelphia, Boston, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, it is happening. The mass migration is underway. And this article goes on to say that the year-over-year -year rents in San Francisco have decreased. Yes, rents are down. And that sound effect was a bomb being dropped from a plane, right? That's what it is. Rents are down 
7% year over year. Wow. And vacancy rates are up. You ready for this one? They are up more than 100% over last year. So the tenants have a lot of power in a state where you shouldn't have been investing. I hope none of you are investing in the Socialist Republic of San Francisco or the Socialist Republic of California, to think of it more broadly, because that is a, a jurisdiction on both counts that is extremely tenant-friendly and unfriendly to evil landlords, you evil landlords, you. How dare you expect tenants to actually pay you rent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So rents are down in San Francisco and New York and all the others. So it's uh, it's really no big surprise, no big surprise. Okay, so I did an interview today that we will probably air for you next week. And I just wanted to share with you something that the guest shared with me off air before we started the interview. Now, he commented on this during the actual interview that we'll probably have up for you next week. But he said that a friend of his owns an excavating business, right? So they are the ones that get in on a development project of a housing tract early on, early on. They're in there, they're pushing the dirt around. And after they excavate, what do they do? Well, maybe they bring in streets and streetlights, or maybe they bring in the utilities, right? So this is early on in the game. And this person sees what is happening in the real estate market early, early. And he said that his friend has been in that business for 20 years, not as long as I've been in real estate. I've been doing it longer, but I'm not an excavator, as you know. Hopefully you know that. I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the brokerage side and the education side, right? So for 20 years, he said he has never seen the land development business at such a fever pitch where developers who hire him are buying up every piece of land they can possibly buy and they are building every house they can possibly get entitled and approved to build. He says it's absolutely just crazy, 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 crazy. Yep, the market is en fuego, on fire. So I don't know that that necessarily comes as a big surprise to a lot of you, but um, it is uh, it is pretty amazing what's going on out there. And one of our clients who is in our content group, Mark Anthony, he posted an article and said, cue the U-Haul trucks. Nearly half of all Americans, 46%, are considering moving within the next year, according to a recent Lending Tree survey. The online financial services marketplace based the report on a survey of more than 2,000 participants in September, but certain groups of people are much more likely to consider relocating than others, as they have some pretty compelling reasons to do so. So, uh, folks, I, I think this market is going to be pretty 
solid for a while. Uh, pretty solid for a while. Also, I talked about him on the show before, but many of you know that I had, when I lived in Las Vegas, I went to brunch several times at the very interesting homes, two different ones, of uh, Zappos founder and the iconic developer, of, redeveloper of downtown Las Vegas, Tony Shea, and you probably heard by now, he passed away at age 46, sadly. Apparently, he died of injuries in a house fire in in Connecticut, and I, I don't know what he was doing there or, or what, but he was such an interesting CEO. He He sold Zappos to Amazon for hundreds of millions of dollars. His net worth was about $850 million, I believe. And going to those brunches at his very interesting homes, I talked about them on the podcast before, but one of them was a combo hotel that he bought, a, a little sort of old-fashioned 50s-style hotel in downtown Las Vegas. And he turned the parking lot into a trailer park and brought in a bunch of Airstream trailers and not big ones, small ones, and tiny houses. And people would rent them from him and live there, but he would only, you know, rent them to really cool people that he thought was doing interesting things. And he had to be the most unassuming billionaire or near billionaire that I've ever met. And I've met several billionaires in my life. And Tony Shea, wow, what an amazing success story. And uh, sadly, he has passed away. And you, you've probably heard that in the news, but I just thought I should mention it on the show because I had talked about going to brunch at his his places several times over the time I lived in Las Vegas. And, you know, what he would do is he'd have these Sunday brunches and he had a couple of llamas. Yes, the animal llamas. I would bring my dog and my dog would actually freak out. She thought, she thought, what is this Martian creature, this llama? And, you know, you'd go up and talk to the llamas and sometimes they'd sort of spit in your face. <laughs> it was pretty gross. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the llamas would be roaming around and the setting of Tony Shea's place was like Burning Man. And I've never been to Burning Man, but I've certainly seen the pictures and many of my friends have been to it. And uh, uh, that's where they, they auditioned the... Uh, former CEO of Google who got the job at Burning Man, you know, Sergey Brin and um, Larry Page uh, said, you know, for your job interview, we're going to invite you to Burning Man and you spend uh, several days with us or a week and uh, we'll see how you cope at Burning Man. And <laughs> that was pretty, pretty funny way to do a job interview, right? But that's, that's the way the evil Google operated, right? And anyway, Tony Shea's place was decorated uh, like Burning Man, sort of. And he had a stage. And sometime he had some musicians up there performing. And, you know, there was a, a fire pit. And then he'd have a brunch. And there was all sorts of different odd food. Sometimes it was like a potluck or... He had some caterers and, and this and that, and it was it was just interesting. I was glad to have that experience and, um, you know, go hang out at Tony Shea's place. It was, it was pretty cool. And, uh, and he was just the most unassuming guy. And by the way, he lived in one of the little Airstream trailers. There's a, I believe it was CNBC, did an interview with him. And they, you know, interviewed him inside his little 200 square foot Airstream trailer that he lived in. And, you know, he could afford anything. 
Uh, so, uh, and, and he said on that interview, he said, you know, I really want to spend my money, uh, you know, having experiences more than things and doing things. And boy, he sure did stuff. I mean, he redeveloped downtown Las Vegas and uh, had big, big plans. I remember the first time I met him was actually as part of a mastermind group I was in. Uh, but then, you know, I, I went to his house for brunch several times and uh, and met him again. And I, the first time he showed us his plans for redeveloping downtown Las Vegas, and they were just amazing. And he finished a lot of it. But, um, you know, I, I hope that someone picks up the slack where he, where Shea left off and, and finishes Tony Shea's vision for downtown Las Vegas, because it certainly was pretty creative and pretty unique and, and pretty awesome. So sad to see Tony Shea go. So I just wanted to mention that. And now let's get to part two. Oh, one more thing I want to mention. Yeah, I always do that. <laughs> Don't I? I want to thank everybody uh, who joined us last night for our Empowered Investor Inner Circle. We had such a great call, so much participation. I want to especially thank our team members, our internal team, and then our client Muthaya, who uh, shared a little bit. And we did that podcast with him a couple of years ago. He asked to come on the podcast and uh, talk about property management agreements. You can go find that old episode at jasonhartman.com. And we reviewed them last night. We got on Zoom. I shared my screen. We looked at uh, maybe four or five different property management contracts and agreements and picked them apart and said, hey, this is ridiculous. This is normal. And anyway, it was just a great time. We have these monthly Zoom meetings with all our Empowered Investor Inner Circle members. And last night was just great. I really enjoyed it. So thanks to all of you who, who came and attended. We were on for about two hours and it was just great to, to see everybody. You know, we, we don't meet in person anymore, but it's, it's nice to have the community of our social network and, and our monthly Zoom meetings. So it's really great to see all of you. Anyway, here is part two of Andrew Cushman talking about demographics, the rental housing market, and more. So here we go. Nothing extraordinary should have to happen for you to make a good return on investment. No extraordinary appreciation, nothing. Just it should make sense from day one. Now, if some great things happen, like a bunch of appreciation, great, you know, but uh, don't don't count on it. And by the way, uh, Gen Z, now the oldest Gen Zer is 23 years old. And that's the biggest of all, 82 million people. They're about to get out and start renting. So, so yeah. So you know, when we change this to when we change it over to domestic migration, again, you know, Florida looks really good. Lots of markets in Texas, Tennessee, Carolinas, Arizona still has that migration. Like as you said, it might uh, might be tougher to get the numbers to work. I don't invest in Arizona just because. I don't want to be too spread out, so I don't have as much in-depth knowledge there. Um, Utah, you can almost see where Highway 15 runs up through the center yeah. of the state. There's all yeah. kinds of growth there. We, we love Utah, but again, too expensive. You know, we many years ago, we were uh, recommending properties, and a lot of our clients purchased in Salt Lake City and around Salt Lake City. It's awesome, but again, that's a hybrid market. It's just too expensive. You know, many years ago, we did a lot of business in Denver. Great market, mm. but again, now it's 
people are priced out. So a lot of our clients made a lot of money in those markets though. Well, and so, and this is, this could apply. So let me ask you, you seem to be doing a really good job of getting ahead of these markets, right? You're identifying, what you're doing is you're identifying emerging markets where you're, you're getting, you know, we're looking at this data now and everybody knows, oh, wow, Denver's been hot. Nashville's been hot. Memphis is great. Yeah. You've been there for a long time. Well, we never got into Nashville. We just could never make Nashville work. Uh, but, and I love Nashville. It's a great town. That one never worked for us, but we did do Denver, Salt Lake City, Austin, if you can believe it. You can't even touch Austin now for the prices mm. you need to as an investor. And even Dallas has gotten too expensive, you know, even most of Atlanta. We do have Atlanta properties today. You know, if you go to jasonartman.com, you know, one of our investment counselors, they can get your properties in Atlanta amazingly, but it's really hard to make Atlanta work. So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, especially a lot of the primary markets have, have, have gotten, even a lot of the secondary have gotten yeah much more expensive and difficult to get them to pencil out. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so how did, you know, maybe just for the listeners, you've done a really good job of getting ahead of the curve, right? Um, if you, you know, one of the biggest ways to make money in real estate is to find an emerging market where the, you know, population growth or is about to happen or income growth is about to happen. Jobs are about to move in. Um, so are, you know, what did, and I know what we do, but what have, what did you use to identify these markets early so that your investors benefited so much? Whereas it might be tough to get in now, but if they were investing with you five years ago, they already have a portfolio. Yeah, or 10 or 15 years ago. You know, I can't say there's any one thing. There's just a whole bunch of things. You know, we we interview people on the podcast all the time, you know, just constant reading and research. And it's a bunch of fragmented stuff. There's, it's not like I can give anybody one great website to go to, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and all the <laughs> answers are there. I wish it's just not that simple, you know, but, uh, you know, over time you, you notice trends and, and chatter and, no. You know, and another thing I would say is, is, you know, if you're out looking at, okay, you know, do I buy a single family house in this market or a small apartment or do I do a syndication here or whatever, the same principles apply whether you're looking at the whole country or a state or a city or a region. So like, for example, take, take Atlanta. You know, if you look at these, these charts that we've been, we've been sharing, most of Atlanta is dark green, right? Population mm -hmm. growth, incomes have been going up there as well. But there are sub markets in Atlanta that I wouldn't touch with a 50, 50 foot pole. Mm -hmm. Right. They're declining, yeah. uh, very low income, very yeah. high crime. Right. And so the same principles of positioning yourself where the right demographics are coming in, incomes are rising. You ideally have a business and landlord friendly environment. Right. You want to position yourself in those markets. So you start big picture, like, okay, Florida, Texas, Georgia. All right, well, what markets do I want? Okay, maybe Atlanta, maybe Tampa. With inside of Atlanta, am I going to invest in East Point or am I going to go out to Duluth, right? Mm -hmm. Those, you know, very, very different markets. And so you, you want to apply those principles to every property you're looking at to help guarantee success, right? So if you've got a, if you're going to buy a single family house in Duluth versus East Point, you want to look at the income trends. You want to look at the population growth trends, you know, and, and if you can get the data on that level, who's moving there, right? And it might take some digging, but you can find that out. And, you know, be, I can tell you between those two, if I had a choice between East Point and Duluth, I'd be in Duluth hands down. So the same principles apply. That's a question I get a lot of times is, well, Andrew, how do I pick a market? 
So one of my mentors, you know, so one of the questions I get a lot is, well, Andrew, how do I decide what market to invest in? I live in San Francisco. It's, it's too expensive and I want to go out of state. Well, how do I find one, right? Well, one way, like my, one of my mentors, Tim Rhodes says is ski in somebody else's wake, right? If you've ever gone water skiing, you try to it's smooth behind the boat. So find a guy like Jason, who's already really good at identifying markets and, and invest with him. The other way is to look at a map like this and say, wow, Florida is looking really good. I'm going to invest in Florida. Then you drill down to Florida and say, okay, well, Tampa, the Panhandle, and Orlando look really good. Okay, I want to do those markets. Then you pull up Tampa and you say, okay, you do the same analysis, right? It's the same process, just narrowing down. So, okay, well, inside of Tampa, I like this market and this submarket. This one has population decline in low incomes. I'm going to stay out of that one, right? And you say, okay, so within these submarkets, that's where I'm going to invest. So that's how you determine where you're going to invest. Number one, you can find a great operator like Jason, or if you're going to do it on your own, you get on, you get onto a map like this, you understand the overall trends, and then you just start drilling down and apply the same principles that you applied at the large le macro level down to the micro level and the submarket level. Yeah, definitely. You know, here's one thing I do want to say about that. And I, I agree with everything you said, but every property, not every property, but every property I've ever bought <laughs> looks like a great deal in the rear view mirror. Okay. That's true. And, and it's sort of easy to look like a genius in the rear view mirror, you know, because we've had this market, you know, so that just goes back to the old saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate, and then wait, you know, mm -hmm. It, you know, it would be easy to try and take credit for everything you said, and uh, I appreciate it. I'll take the credit. But, you know, look at, I mean, the real estate's just such a solid investment with so many things going for it that it it's just hard to lose if you buy a property that makes sense the day you buy it. You know, if you do that, you're going to be pretty good. All right, well, can, can, I, can I give an example to, sure. to illustrate yeah. what you just said? So, all right, so let, let, let's say you buy a house for $100,000 and you put a 15-year mortgage on it and you rent it out, right? In over 15 years, you picked the wrong market. You got, you know, you put 20% down, right? So you put 20 grand into it, you have $80,000 loan. You picked the wrong market. And over 15 years, it does nothing. It's still worth a hundred grand at the end. But guess what? A tenant, somebody else paid off that mortgage for right. you. Yeah. And you put in 20 grand. Now you have a hundred grand. Is that the best investment in the world? Is that a home run? No, no but, but did bad. you, but yeah. it's not bad. You yeah. didn't lose and your risk was minimal, right? right? So a lot of times, even the worst case in real estate isn't all that bad. Yeah, it's not. Especially if you know how to do the math. And you really, a lot of people in real estate, you know, they think they're losing when they're really winning because they just don't know how to keep score, you know, mm -hmm. learn how to do the math. So that's, uh, that's another important thing because a lot of this return is below the, below the surface of the water, just like an iceberg. You're absolutely right. You've got, you know, appreciation, hopefully, principal pay down, depreciation, cash flow. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to win with real estate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, good. What else do you want people to know, Andrew? Anything else on the map? Anything else in general? Uh, you know, I, I think I think we covered it pretty well. I would just say I know it's turbulent times. I know a lot of folks are scared to invest. This will this is short term in the in the scheme of real estate. This is short term, right? Even if this is a two or three year ordeal, if you're if you're going to buy and hold for ten years. 
Uh, we are very likely to get into, an, in my opinion, very likely to get into an inflationary environment with all of the worldwide money printing that is going on. One of the best ways to pr protect yourself against that are hard assets like real estate. Uh, those will appreciate uh, in an inflationary environment. Those are hedged against inflation. And I, and I can't think of a better way to not only earn a good return, but to protect you know, investment from, like I said, the likely inflationary wave that's coming. And even if we don't get inflation, we, we haven't really even had it for, well, again, it depends on how you parse it. But right. it, it depends on <laughs> whose stats you're watching. Yeah, it depends. Or, yeah. So we, we, uh, many people would say we, we have not had the high general inflation over the last 10 years. And look how well real estate has done, right? right. Now we have had asset inflation. Um, so don't be scared about the next 12 months or, you know, whatever. if you buy something that makes sense today, again, repeating that and hold it long enough, it's very difficult for that to not work out to be a good investment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Andrew, uh, do you want to share a social media page or uh, a website or anywhere where people can uh, find out more about you? Yeah, easiest way to connect with me is our, my company is Vantage Point Acquisitions. So the website for that is just B pacq.com or if you just google vantage point acquisitions it'll come up there's a little um, couple tabs on there one just to, uh, to contact us and reach out that comes to my uh, inbox email inbox if you just want to have a conversation there's a tab on there for our multifamily accelerator mastermind and uh some you know additional information but yeah that's the that's the best way to get in touch i'm on linkedin and all that but a real conversation best way is to reach out to the website Good stuff. Andrew, thanks for joining us and happy investing. Likewise. Take care, Jason. Good talking with you. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go Go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.